Copy, shift boss. I got radio check. Yeah, radio is working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. The chair in the vent bag. Yeah, stitcher up there. Thanks, mate. Righto, Bowdo. Thanks for having me down at this beautiful spot, mate. This is, uh, you, you didn't lie when you said you've uh, got a nice office on the water, mate. Oh, mate, uh, cag woolly boy, always keen to look at the ocean. <laughs> oh, mate, when I think we were talking about it earlier, oh, for, for listeners, I uh, think this is the first time I've uh, met Bowdo. Bowdo's uh, been kind enough to invite me down to his office in Mandra for, for an interview. I really appreciate it, mate. But, um, look, the, the, you hear some people get a bit depressed after life on the jumbo and everything, but I'd reckon this is a pretty good alternative, mate. Being stuck in uh, stuck in Mandra on the water, providing the services that you do. Yeah, mate. Uh, it certainly beats the the red dirt uh, of Kalgoorlie and you know the the Dongers life, I suppose. Um, yeah, summertime. It's pretty good optical view out the front of the office as well, off the beach there. Yeah, I'd reckon so, mate. Yeah, cool. So let's uh, look. As I said, there's no real, no real order or plan here. I don't, I don't do much prep for this. It's uh, the conversation just goes where it goes. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, we'll start about. I guess tell, tell everyone a bit about your early, how, early days of mining. How, how you got into it, mate, and how you. Um, for everyone that anyone that doesn't know, Bowdo. Bowdo was uh, on the jumbo for many years before he. Uh, does what he does now which we'll talk about later how did you get into mining Bowdo? Kalgoorlie is a pretty big hint to start with I'd say. Yeah well, I sort of come from a mining family um, so sort of destined to head that way you know me and their brothers were handbogging kibbles of dirt when we we're 14 you know old man doing a couple of shafts and that around Coolgardie and Kalgoorlie and you know at that stage I sort of said bugger this you know rabbits work down the hole and tried to avoid it and done an apprenticeship as a boilie um, but yeah, got sucked into the to the money and uh, finished my apprenticeship. Yeah, went across the burn cut. Uh, was working on the tools originally, and uh, typical boilie type work. You know, not enough uh, to keep you busy. So we ended up uh, jumping on trucks and boggers and started from there. Yeah, yeah, done probably my first six years with um, burn cut. Uh, Still at the the granites. Um, yeah, when Burncut went over there, we were doing a four and two roster. Um, four weeks, that was, and two weeks off. Yeah, right. And how long, what what years were that? Just curious for people that most of us yeah. only know one and one and two and one. Yeah. Where, when was four and two a thing? Oh, well, again, Northern Territory runs its own rules as well in the granite. So that was at, what, uh, 92, went across there and um, had my 21st at a place called Rabbit Flat, actually, which is the most remote roadhouse in, in Australia. Yep. Um, to put it into into text, I suppose back in those days, uh, the granites was a dry camp. Uh, we were paying fifty bucks for a hot cart and a VB back in those days. Yeah, right. And that, but um, yeah, pretty pretty different sort of a place. Um, old Rabbit Flat and uh, the granites itself uh, in those days. Um, but yeah, burn cart would fly us back to Alice Springs, so every. Uh, four weeks we had two weeks to head off to wherever we wanted to in the middle of a you know middle of the country uh cairns was a pretty pretty hot spot back in the day yeah and that but um yeah it's done in uh probably 18 months uh, two years at, at the granites and then uh moved to to leinster where we're still doing back at a total change actually because we were back to the eight hour shifts back in leinster 
and that's probably where my jumbo time started. I was started on the jumbo when I was 21. Um, pretty high pressure at that stage, you know, uh, still a fair bit of maturing to do. Um, and that done a couple of years uh, up in Leinster on the eight-hour shifts. Um, then uh, moved from there to to do the decline up at uh, Western Metals up at Kajibut, um for the, the K-POC decline. Uh, actually took the first cut after the road header. They'd done the first 500 metres in there. And then I uh, was getting getting married, so we uh, moved to Cambelda. Didn't last too long in Cambelda, Cambodia as I call it, <laughs> being a cowgully boy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, done about nine months there. And then, yeah, as soon as the missus got pregnant with the first kid, Western Medals were the only ones back in those time up at, up at Kaji doing the week on, week off. Um, it was important to me, uh, you know, come from a... Uh, separated family growing up so it was important to me that you know be a good provider but also be a dad and so the week on week off um it was the big enticement the money was shit you know there's a big drop in pay but uh taught us a lesson you know uh yeah, live within your means and um yeah done five years western medals first two kids were born up there and then um from there had uh, Newmont trying to get me to, to move for a while, but I would told them I wouldn't move until they went to the, you know, the even time roster, which they went to a seven, seven, eight, and six. Yep. So that's, yeah, we moved from, from Broome to, to Mandra, where we still are, are now. And, um, yeah, I suppose uh, at Bronzewing there, and that's where, yeah, the mining career finished after I uh, busted my neck. And, and then, yeah, uh, done a little bit of a stint at Golden Grove on a return to work sort of program and that but just didn't work out and i couldn't get a full clearance to go back mining and hence why we do what we do now yep ah cool any more more specifically about your your jumbo career in in the 90s in comparison to to i guess the jumbos we see today and the ground support and everything what was what what sort of degrees of ground support were you installing and Compared to like some places are obviously very extensive these days. Yeah, yeah. and how much has it actually changed over the last couple of decades? Oh, look, yeah, or a few decades. Yeah, I might say. yeah, like at, at Redeemer, and um, you know, like uh, learn on the three boom jumbo there, um, and learn off a, a Polish fella. So um, I learn a few choice Polish words along along the way. But uh, have you actually, got any examples? Uh, of that? <laughs> yeah, Kudrovar, I think, was one of them, and uh, you don't want me to tell you what it means because it's. Uh, and that Google could be what is yeah, it? Yeah. Could have, uh, <laughs> yeah, Google yeah, that. It's been, been a while since I spat that word out. Yeah. But, um, you know, with that three boomer and that, we wouldn't bolt any headings. And um, before I actually went on the three boomer, we used to run a row bolter there. And, you know, the ore drives and that, we wouldn't take the row bolter in there until, you know, there was five or six cuts to, to bolt up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was a pretty cream job, three boomer cruising into a to an all-drive, the only, the only heading that we actually bolted with that three-boomer was the decline, you know. Um, the row bolter would go in, all-drives hang the, you know, put their bolts in, um, you know, then the boys would come through and hang mesh out of a, out of a IT, basically, and the row bolter would come back and pin it all up. So, um, you know, five or six cuts, unsupported. Yep. Or yeah. what we classify as unsupported these days. Yeah, so. you know, but, but again, you know, I think those days you know we were taught to to read the ground you know we we scaled a, a hell of a lot um because of, of that um 
You know, then um, I suppose again when we went to to K-Pok, it's the best ground you ever ever come across. Um, the joint uh, probably for the first two hundred meters. Once we took over from the road, it never had a bolt in it. Yeah. You know, that's when things started to change a little bit, and um, yeah, we had to come back and and we meshed and bolted, and then then it turned into to meshing and bolting every, every cut. Um, but yeah, in my time, mate, there was never no no cable bolts, holes, or anything like that. Um, you know, stock standard splitties. You know, the row bolter was uh, your anchor point bolts and that. But yeah, it's uh, really a lot different from what I understand these days. I wasn't too happy. Um, you know, single head and have to put up mesh. I can tell you. Because, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Ground hasn't. It's not that grounds like just got worse over the years. Like that bad ground would have existed back then it's you you just really really had to be onto the because you would have what scaled off the muck they scaled off the muck pile after they yeah fired yeah, ahead and yeah the it? hand scaling that used to used to be a big big part of it you know and um yeah again i think you know back in those days we weren't given drill patterns you know we had to read the ground we had to understand the ground um you know i think today um yeah, a lot of drill patterns get handed out, even bolting patterns, as I understand, and I still can't get my head around mm. around that, you know, um, because sometimes, you know, you might need an extra bolt, and if that pattern doesn't tell you, blokes ain't going to put it in. And yeah, and you might, and that pattern might dictate you to put a bolt in a stupid spot, like like you you get you get in trouble for bolt spacings these days, but you you might it might look a bit retarded, but you might have a bloody bolt going straight through a big slab that's actually a critical bolt, but your pattern doesn't dictate it to put there, which yeah. is it, ta- it takes the yes, yeah, so I know it's all there for a reason, but yeah, when yeah, you no, when no. you say the knowledge of the ground that you would have obtained back in you guys obtained back in the day, we I guess we don't really get that exposure us younger guys yeah well a couple of examples of that even like when i first went to to work for western metals because everyone i was the first outsider to be employed up there um everyone else was uh through either through um broom or derby and most of the blokes had, had learnt there um you know in the first week on the on the on the jumbo and it, it was my first time on on the atlas as well so uh, trying to figure out how you use the two left-hand booms was a bit of a challenge to begin with. And, you know, uh, when I was up there previously, um, uh, we, we, you know, the ground was that good. We were two reamers, 42 holes in a, you know, a six-by-six equivalent, unheard of, you know. Yeah, right. Um, just Mickey Mouse ground. Um, you, you wouldn't change bits in a fortnight, basically. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I've gone back up there with the two-reamer screamer and, Few of the the local boys try to follow suit, and there's a few few uh, dodgy dodgy cuts. And the foreman comes down and hands me a, a drill pattern, and I says, "Mate, do I look like I'm from the Perth Zoo?" <laughs> and he looks at me and I says, "Because uh, you can shove that up your ass, mate. If you want a monkey there in the Perth Zoo, I'm you know I was taught to to mine properly, you know. And then you know another time was even in my return to work um, after I busted my neck, and that was at um, at Golden Grove. And I won't mention his name, but he was a big burly jumbo operator covered in tattoos, and he'd been snotted. And um, at that stage, I wasn't even really supposed to be going underground. And he's on the surface, and I was talking to him, and you could hear the fear of going back down there in his voice. You know, and it says, uh, "You know, mate, get the ute, we'll go down, and have a look. Let's go, go through it all." You know, and he, he, we pulled up, and, and I knew it was in the decline where he got snotted. And then we pulled up, you know, probably 200 metres back from, from the face. And as we're walking down, and that I could see, see a fault starting in the, 
in the wall and sort of washed it and and I stopped you know where it got to the to the apex in the in the backs you know and, and I said mate it happened here didn't it and he looked at me he said yeah about it and, and you, know, you could see again these blokes were running off drill patterns and bolt patterns at this stage um, and you could see that where the mesh had finished for that cut and they need another roll of bolts in front of it but the the, the bolt pattern didn't show that yeah. so it didn't happen you know, so I've never been a fan of it, but look, I understand, you know, that it is the way of today. I don't know how I'd go in today's world, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And what about, and what about uh, I guess you're boring, like it's it's pretty stand, I oh know, God, I've, look, I'm like a bloody robot at the moment. I pretty much bore the same pattern, every like same space and every every bloody cut. And what sort of stuff were you employing as well with your boring out, know, like changing your patterns? Was it mostly spacings or you're your offsetting rows and... What sort of what, what's a few tricks up your sleeve that you could pass on to the? Oh, look again. It depended on on the ground. Um, as a jumbo operator, I suppose one thing I found that once you started on the jumbo, very hard to. It was all you learnt by mistakes from there on in. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're seeing other blokes operate and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, again, the, the K-pop decline was a good one for me because it was single heading, and you sort of. The way the cycle worked, you knew you were going to be able to fix your fuck up, basically. Um, so it gave you that confidence, and with, with, with the ground and that, to try try different things. So, you know, again, you know, when we started that after the, the road header, you know, we were putting in the stocks down, you know, four reamers, five reamers, and that, and started dropping one out, dropped another one out. And then, you know, like I say the standard pattern was, you know, between 46, 48 holes and, and two reamers. Yep. And that, and um, it allows you to, to sort of to try different things, you know. Um, to the point, like, um, uh, still a great mate of mine, Mark Smith. I worked with him for for a long time, and um, he was heading off to um, Kazakhstan, and uh, they, they had no reamers over there. So to the point, we waited till the right time in the in, in the cycle that we knew we could have a go, and we we tried the old postal cut. Yeah, right, like the air leg right, the yeah, rise mods. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no reamers or anything, you know, and, um, you know, when we fired the bloody thing, gone down and, yeah, knocked out a bit of vent bag and that hung that up and there's, you know, bugger all dirt at the face and we're going, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? And that end, uh, we had looking and he's going, shit, there's a roll of bolts back there. It, it pulled to the ass. Yeah, right. You know, but um, it smacked that hard. Um, you know, shot the dirt all the way back up the up the drive. It was the f- first and only time we got the two full cycles in a shift because it cut the bogging time down. But um, so those sort of things give you the the you know to follow yourself and you know if it doesn't work to to fix it before you hand it over to your, to your cross shift and. You know, um, then from there went back to when I went to Cambelda. You know, the basalt was a bit different, and that. But it was it was a time, and I, I was on the the crew with all the Norseman boys, and only me and the ship boss turned up. All the Norsey boys had got on the piss, and um, he's no longer with us now. But old Jeff Thornett, he actually gave me my first start on on the jumbo. Uh, he was renowned for coming out mid shift on afternoon shift, and. Uh, Maybe had a couple of beers before he'd come out, and uh, we had yeah, the, the raised ball rig or something was was coming in, and um, uh, we had to get this one cut away. Me and the ship boss, old Ernie Shackleton, it was, and um, they said, "Ernie, fuck me, mate. It's, it's taking you know forty five, fifty minutes running a reamer." I said, "Go away. If you come back to help me charge it up, and I'd banged the one reamer in it, and um, 
the old Ernie, yeah, he said, what do you think, your air leg minor? I said, mate, we need to fight this cut. Jeff's, you know, going to have our balls if we don't get it. And got got away with it, you know. It's not something that I would continue to do. And, and that, But again, sometimes you've got to try and, you know, you don't, you don't know unless you have a go, basically. Yeah. So, you know, and, and even with the K-pop to cut the, the holes out, you know, really come down to the way that we fight it. Um, you know, it's pretty laminated ground. You could put two metres on a hole um, vertically. Um, but it's, you had to open it up and bring it all down together, you know, follow the ground structure and bring it down the way it wanted to come. So, yeah, um, yeah th- those sort of ways, you know, like, like help me to try different things um, to, to follow it up with. Yeah, and I suppose that's a hard thing is, is when you're not, as you said, when you're not, if you're following yourself and you know you're yeah. going to be back in there, but now when you're on sites with multiple jumbos and it could be bloody, you could have five different operators bore, bore one heading in the, in a bloody week like you just don't have the opportunity and then yeah as soon as you leave a bloody meter of butt behind just uh word gets around pretty yeah, quick so charge ups Fulton. charge ups oh you can blame as much as you want there yeah. um now the 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 three boom jumbos yeah that's uh i've personally never seen one when when did they i guess what what size drives were you using those for? And when, when did they actually phase out? Uh, look, there was only one that, uh, you know, in Redeemer, you know, and that, that was the only one that I ever saw um, in my time. And, you know, the all drives were five by fives, yep. you know. Um, and it was a sub-level cave setup, so the all drives, you know, sometimes at the start of a, at a level, you know, you could, you could bore five or six cuts without unplugging. Um, all over and done within like 40 minutes. Yeah, 50 minutes, your, your middle boom would basically bore your burn. All the other two went around and, you know, they're pretty similar as a two-boomer, um, the way I used to run um, parallel to each other. Um, yeah, but that, that was the only one I ever saw. And from there and that, um, uh, you know, just back to this, the standard two-boomer and that. But, uh, you know, when I was with Burn Cut, they were one of the first ones to bring in one of the super drills. And, um, yeah, I had to be the draw, the short straw, and go and learn that and train a few of the boys up and... Yeah, going from the the, 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 the levers to, to joysticks, I wasn't a big fan of. But a lot of the uh, once a lot of the burn cut guys I've spoken to absolutely love the super drills. After yeah, a while, look, right? it, once you know there was a few dramas with them initially. You know, like uh, very powerful, a lot more powerful um, than the the jumbos before it, and. Uh, the biggest fault that they, they had, well, the one that we had, um, the two faults, one that had the centre unit at the end of the feed rail and they were designed to tunnel. They yeah. weren't designed to bolt. So as soon as you, t- you know, you tilled your boom up to, to, to bolt or, or whatever, the centre unit would fill up with salt water at Mariners and, you know, out of action. But the worst thing was when you, you needed to straighten up your steel, it, it would cut you. As soon as you touched a boom boom, it would take your drifter out. Yeah, because it's uh, electric over hydraulic. Yeah, do, so yeah. you're sitting in that chair, you know, may as well be driving a rally when you're, you're trying to straighten that, that, that hole up, you know. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that they improved that over time because that was, uh, you know, pretty well um, the last time I saw a super drill as, as well when I left Campbellder. So is that those, um, the new... The, the new high frequency drifters that are on the the four two ones the Sandvix is that that's sort of the the your boring speed that you used to get out of the super drills was it that was the main benefit of the super drills wasn't it? the actual they could just freaking yeah bore from from, from what I understood um, Matty like 
to be honest, mate, I, I never really knew much about, you know, what model that Jumbo was. You know, I, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't care if it was orange, yellow or white. You know, I was a big fan well, of that. Oh, I bloody old, care if it's orange. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still, so you know. Even the old Sacoma, <laughs> mate, like um, we we done that whole K-Pok decline with Burn Cup with the, with the Sacoma and um, probably the most user-friendly Jumbo I ever operated, to be honest. Yep. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to all the, all the numbers and models and that, mate, it was something that I wasn't really focused on. Yeah, yeah. So when you uh, we, when you finished up on the jumbo career, went into supervisor. Now we uh, we talked about this before the challenges of guys that get off the jumbo that actually go into supervisor and, and have to supervise their own crew. Yeah. Now you can uh, you can don't have to mention names or anything, but just you said yourself you had to you had to go supervise your own crew after being being one of the one of the boys you'd say what's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a it's a it's a challenging thing to do what's uh take take us through a bit of that look look probably um one of the biggest challenges of my mining career actually you know like um my jumbo career come to an end early um and again something i pump into a lot of boys heads that i talk to today like with the old heat stress um you know i lost a up at Kapok, you know, is hot, the 12 litres of water, you wouldn't piss once in a shift. And so I was lucky enough that I'd, I'd done my ship boss ticket and I'd passed it. So, you know, one, I was a young ship boss. Um, and two, yeah, going into ship boss, the boys that um, that I was working with. And, you know, we we're only small crews, eight, eight, ten man crews, and week on, week off, living in Broome. So we used to socialise a lot um, back in Broome as well, um, which made it even more hard. You know, but uh, we we had our little ups and downs a couple of times. You know, in the early days, the boys, you know, uh, a bit of a revolt when I've tried to tidy up for safety, and you know, or you know, the old bado, you know, you didn't do that when when you were on the jumbo and that sort of things. Is you know, like in trying to get a point across to them that you know, my job now is to make sure that they all go home at the end of the end of the end of the swing. Um, so yeah, it, it had had its challenges. Uh, I had a few lonely days in the in the in the weddy. Um, in the early days, and and then also being being young, I think I was twenty seven when I when I first started doing some ship washing, and you know we 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 had uh, one fella, uh, he's a ship boss now, but he was he was forty forty five at the time, and you know I, I sort of lacked the life experience at that stage. I hadn't had kids, and I you know I'd never been divorced or, or broken up. Um, you know, and uh, this fella, you know, he's telling me I worked in 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 open pit for for ten years. You know, I'm, I'm 45 years old. You can't tell me what to do. I says, man, if I want life experience, I'll come to you. Um, you want mining experience? That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Um. You know, so yeah, it, it, it had its challenges, and it, you know, the money challenge as well. You know, big pay drop. Um, which is, you know, again, the biggest drama that we've got now to get, you know. Um, the old golden handcuffs, as they refer Yeah, to. yeah, you know. So really, there has to be something, you know, um, like for, for me there was, you know, like I say, I lost the ability to cool down, um, you know, and I sort of um, couldn't stimulate myself to drill another hole in a rock as well. I was struggling with that, just bored. The challenge had sort of gone. And that, but yeah, supervising you, you know, that present, you know, at a young age presented a big challenge. You know, he didn't realise, you know, so much involved. You know, like marriage counsellor, um, everyone's problems. You know, really, I was just there to just, uh, to break dirt. You know, and then uh, dealing with this, and I didn't have the life experience to deal with some of it, to be honest. And I probably didn't handle myself too well at that stage. And that, but. Um, you know, it's a common saying that I say, you know, when you ship washing, 
Um, it's like you're, you're straddling a barbed wire fence with no jocks on, you know. Um, <laughs> you got one leg over in a management camp and, and one in with the boys, you know, and uh, one cock up and your nuts are on the, on the ground, you know. So um, it, it's got its challenge. And I still now I'd say, you know, shipwashing is one of the, the worst paying jobs. Um, you know, I winced about it in my day, and um, yeah, the amount of winches I still get now, um, and it, I understand it. You know, is um, they're probably underpaid for what they do. Yeah, and the the as you said, the the statutory responsibility that they have as as a shift boss. If, if something something fucks up, the foreman's not going to get stung. The project manager's not going to get stung. It's the the shift boss statutory ticket holder for that shift. It's yeah, a yeah. lot of responsibility. Oh look, look, there there is, and um, you know, again now, you know, I got a lot of fellow um, blokes that are you know that I've started, and they progress through to the shift boss ticket, and they'll ring with different scenarios and. You know, it's a hard way to try and explain it to them sometimes, you know, like trying to find a happy medium, you know, where they're trying to get their point across on safety or, or whatever. And, that, you know, that'd be safety to the crew, um, you know, even upper management, I suppose, at times, you know, why have you done this? Why have you done that? And, you know, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't in a lot of situations you know, the, with that shipwasher's ticket. Yes, I've been the, the, the clients are, why didn't you get a cut here? Why didn't you get a cut there? And just knowing that you've sweated your living bloody yeah. life out down there. And it's just, it's all that matters is that FKO on the end of the shift sheet. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, but, and, uh, mate, do you want to tell us that the story when you said you couldn't, you lost the ability to sweat? And you you told me a good yarn. This is this is something guys, uh, lads and ladies might actually learn a bit off because the people might find themselves in this situation. Um, tell us about that time when the actual fan got turned yeah, off when like you're it, at the face. It, it, look, it, that was at the end of it, of it, um, Matty. You know, but again, just being young and bulletproof, you know, yeah, we were warned about it, and we'd push ourselves to, to the limits and. Uh, and that with the heat and just get the the job done but yeah the, the final straw was you know um at kpok and you know the ore drive that i was in you know it's probably 550 600 meters long and um you know it was already bloody hot so you just focused to get the job done um and i'm thinking to myself halfway through is it getting hotter in here surely not and i looked around and you know the vent bag was like a cock in the sock you know someone had turned it off and that, and you know, I'd look down and and I'd stop sweating, and I thought, I'm I'm in the shit here. I'm in the shit, you know. I'm running something that we all get told with the heat stress. You know, once you stop sweating, your body your body can't cool down. So yeah, I was thinking, I'm not going to make it, you know. And so I said, we're going to just lay here. I'm going to fucking die. So I started heading out, and I got halfway out, and there was a puddle. I had to lay down in that to try and cool down. And you know, you know, the water wasn't that cool, but it did help me to cool down to, to some degree. Um, and eventually I got out to the, to the cross, cross cut. Obviously, I'm still here. So, um, but that was it. You know, uh, that that shift uh, the, the next month or so, just I, I thought there was something something wrong with me. You know, like uh, just fatigued, just struggling. You would struggle in the heat, but this was a different struggle. Um, and yeah, once you you lose that ability, I still find it now, you know. And and uh, I've been been sitting in a nice air conditioned office for for you know last fifteen years or so. And you know, hot days in summer, I still struggle to yep. to cool down. Um, and you know, we'll be be out with the boys, and I'll be pissing sweat, and I'm only sweating a quarter of what they're sweating. Yeah, yeah. And what was this? Um, what did, did you end up getting diagnosed with? Some, or was it just years uh, of heat exposure? Yeah, just a, a build up. You know, again, we we had company doctor and 
you know, I remember going and seeing him at one stage, you know, as you said to him, you know, like, uh, I'll drink 12, 14 litres of water in a 12-hour shift and I won't piss once. And he basically said to me, if you're going to sit here and tell me bullshit, I can't help you. You know, and I suggested that he get his ass on the plane and go and see what conditions that we're actually working in, you know, if he's going to be the company doctor. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a build-up over over the time and, um, yeah, but once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Mm. Now, what, what, sort of, what sort of remedies did you, when you're working in such a hot environment, consistently on a bloody open-cap jumbo, hydraulic temperature getting blown over you all yeah. day, what were, your, what were your tricks? I did I did a heat episode early on, just some of, a lot of it was my personal experiences, but guys like yourself that have been around a lot longer, what, what were your sort of tricks to get through, deal with the heat? Yeah, oh, look, it's bored many a cut out in, in your jocks, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of sites there, you know, with the, with the boys with burn cut, you know, putting that decline down in Capoc and, uh, mate, we'd, we'd start to shift in our jocks and finish in our jocks, you know. Um, but we used to have a little trickle pipe that we used to have across the front, like a, a little bar with holes drilled in it, just with the, the air hooked up to it, just to keep that airflow going. You know, a couple of little fans uh, and that, but at one stage they, um, uh, Western Metals brought in Ice Fest, um, and I think you've seen the AFL players use them on, on the heat days, and they were good for jack shit. You know, you'd put it on and it'd be melted in the first 15, 20 minutes, yep. you know. Um, and then, then all the heat in your body would just store in there around you. It wouldn't even... Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and... Uh, um, they, they put in the little, little uh, what, would, what would they call them, like little cooling stations, I suppose, um, where the little sea container set up with the air cons and, and the, you know, where the, the freezers with the ice jackets and that were store, stored. And then they, they're not putting some cooling system in there too, which I reckon was a lemon that you created. It was actually put underground and it created more heat than what, what, what it did. And I, I don't ever remember it working to any sort of degree, to be honest. Yep. Um, you know, but... You know, after a while, not so much the jumbo operators, but, you know, ship icing and that there, we used to swap the boys out. Um, half time, we used to call it. Um, you know, boys would charge up for for half a shift and you'd swap them out on the truck or the bogger or something just to, to try and help manage it, you know. Uh, again, pretty much they always had two blokes together, again, other than the jumbo operator. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. What about what about food food and stuff? Any food selections? Any stuff? Do you, like, could you eat underground? I know some people can't eat on shift. I not really. Um, I found you know like, again at certain stages we had to come up for firing or something. Yeah, you might have something to eat or, or whatever. But yeah, I was never a big fan of eating during during the day. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember even on the eight-hour shifts, the boys used to heat their pasties or their pies up on the on the old uh, lights and that. But um, yeah, I was never a fan of eating. Yeah, but because uh, not, not that you would know by the size <laughs> of the lights. But, uh, yeah, well, just because my oh, every time I've gone down with heat-related, it's it's usually when I haven't eaten, and then eating is actually more important to me than water. Now, like if I yeah. if I don't eat, I'll just absolutely go to shit. Yeah, oh, look, again, I think probably in my time as well, it was a lack of education because I wouldn't have known that. that eating has anything to, to do with it. But, you know, they, they, to the point, you know, they, it was the, the old staminade. And then the boys are all ODing on, on the staminade, which had... Because uh, it the, tastes good. Yeah, yeah well, as, you know, in, in, it, in uh, the end, they had to bring in some cordial, you know, like um, some of that reverse osmosis water tasted like shit. But, um, but yeah, and, and everyone thinking they're doing the righty by putting extra staminate in, and it was actually doing the opposite. Yeah, and we, and we talked about this, the, uh, the, 
when you're dealing with the heat and uh, usually with a with a hangover from the night before and getting to that uh, three the the cycle of uh, how your mind and decision changes through the day. So you, as you said, six till three o'clock, you're like, "Fuck, I'm never drinking again." Yeah, I'm no, I'm going to go straight to bed tonight. And uh, come three o'clock, you're getting that dry taste. Like oh, I could probably go one. Yeah, and re- repeat cycle for two weeks. I think that's why, <laughs> why some of us are, we're born rock apes, mate. Not that smart, but um, yeah, I think there was probably like a two year period where. Every day I'd go to work, you know, I'm not drinking tonight. Um, like you say, you get to about 3 o'clock into the shift. It didn't matter if it was day shift or, or night shift. And, no, oh, i just go and have one. And then you're out there stumps again and wake <laughs> up in the morning, you know. <coughs> in the end, you know, I, I did mature in the end and um, got sick and tired of waking up sick and tired. And, um, yeah, probably the last three years of my morning career, I got very, very drunk um, at work because I knew that um, it, there was no cutoff for me. Um, you know, I actually um, failed a breath once, uh, which was on um, Boxing Day of all days. And, um, yeah, back in, I think it was 05 or something, uh, and I blew on the 05, and uh, the mine manager wanted to make an example of me and, and sent me home and that. But uh, he tried to make another example of me on the, on the next shift coming in, and, you know, it's about, you know, like, so did you learn your lesson? You know, and I said, oh, mate, it was Boxing Day yesterday, so if my lesson that I was, I was there to learn was to, to go and watch Boxing Day test and porn and get on the piss with fucking night shift, mate. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so, yeah, but only once and um, didn't oh, let it happen classic. again. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'd want... I'd, I've had one where I bloody had to have Christmas Day off at work and my mother wanted because I, cause I couldn't came, come home for Christmas that year because I had to work and then I, uh, I spent Christmas Day in me donger because I bloody couldn't go to work because I uh, got on the piss too much that night. She wanted to kill me. Yeah. 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 No, no, it's not, a, it's not a good feeling, you know, like, um, you know, you feel like you let the, the boys down because, yeah, a few of them had blown just under, like, the, the 0.4949 oh, so, or whatever. So back then it was 0.05. 0.05, it wasn't, it wasn't you know. Oh, jeez, I would have got, got to work yeah. that bloody day, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, no, I drew the, the lucky straw that day because the rest of the boys had to go and sweat it out. And like I say, a bit of boxing day and back on the piss with the night shift boys, mate. I was, it was like my Christmas had all come at once. Well, it's not. And that's a, when you're in that, uh, I suppose if you're 0.04 or whatever, you, you're, you're still at the stage where you feel all right. It's uh, come 11 o'clock when you hit zeros and the old hangover starts kicking in. That's when the real pain oh, starts. Yeah. No, the first hour or two is no drama. It's after that where, where it really kicks in. Yeah, right. But it's, uh, yeah, it's... Oh, we've got it. We've got it all down to a winning formula these days. Oh God, I only have. Uh, actually, I have three or four beers after work now. Just, uh, I just value my sleep too much. But yeah. oh, I remember when I used to have bloody six or seven. Oh, it's just it was freaking horrible. I yeah. think we all got that one. You know, you know if you know you have that extra one, that's the end of it. And you, you know, know, you know the one that's going to set you over to you know you make it, and and you know when you're having it, you're like I'm making it conscious decision now to make my life stressful tomorrow morning with yeah. this with this one beer yeah but the care factor doesn't seem to be there by that, <laughs> yeah it all seems like a good idea yeah, at the time. The time. not again the next morning yeah um now after uh before we get into your your business uh we'll go through what you actually do for a cream right now um we were talking about family before yeah um and you i was where i guess we're uh, as I said, I'm a new newfound father as well, and start your life just changes. Mm. Tell us about when you when you had kids and when you were doing FIFO. 
Yeah, well, it's, um, again, I've been, been blessed with uh, three front bumps. Um, <laughs> uh, couldn't put a spout on one of them uh, and that, but you wouldn't trade them in for for the world. But, um, yeah, look, again, it was the whole reason why I went to the week on, week off, because, you know, I wanted to be a, be a, be a provider, but also wanted to be a dad. Um, and and that, that week on, week off um, roster allowed that, you know, uh, I missed the, the birth of of my first first daughter um, only by a matter of a couple of hours. By the time the message got out to to site, you know, um, and I managed to knock a car off from the car park and and <laughs> drive the four hundred and fifty k's in two hours back to to Broome. I was, I was already too late, um, you know. And the funny story I told at at the daughter's twenty uh, first just recently, you know, like. Um, She'd hear us over the years, you know, say, you know, like I wasn't there for, for when she was born, you know, and uh, she got about eight years old and she she turns around one day, she goes, Dad, why have you waited to tell me, you know, eight, ten years old, that you're not my real dad? I said, what do you mean I'm not your real dad? She said, well, you weren't there when I was born, so yeah, I had to wait till she got a little bit older and actually explain that, yeah, I didn't need to be there to be a real dad, you know, through the birth process, but, um, but yeah, it's just... Um, it, the, the one thing that I that I found, Matty, and even when we were talking before, that you know, once the the kids come along, um, a little bit of anxiety kicked in. To be honest, you know, like get on the plane and for all of a sudden I, I, I'm I'm suffering anxiety on, on the plane, and I, I never suffered a day's anxiety uh, in in my life, you know. And it wasn't until I realised that. I was worried about um, about dying, and it never really bothered me before. And it was it was more about leaving the kids behind, yeah. you know. And that, that changed my attitude at work as as well, um, you know. So uh, again, to be be a be a dad uh, changes a lot of attitudes, I think. Um, but yeah, it did. It did. Like the missus would pick me up. It was only an hour flight or something from um, from site back to to to, to Broome. Um, but yeah, the missus couldn't talk to me for half an hour by the time I get my shit back to, together. Yeah. And I thought it sounded, you know, what, what, what's wrong with me? And it wasn't until I sort of looked into it a bit deeper. And yeah, I always worried about leaving the kids behind. You know, you don't you don't want to leave them to a you know someone else to do their job. And you know, I've been I've been lucky. You know, I've been with with my missus since we we're fourteen years old. And um, you know, but I still. Uh, want to play the dad's role and that, that, that's what bothered me yeah. um, now you know the girls are all old enough I'll get on a plane no dramas mate um, I don't I don't suffer the same yeah. we've had the time to, to pump into the kids and and that now not that I you know I want, I want to go anywhere but it, yeah, it doesn't worry me like it used to yeah, it's just, and the reason I ask this it's just I'll just I've had the exact same conversation with both my mother and my wife the other week and it's 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 just so funny how you how you tell that story because I said the exact same thing to him. I said, I said, I'm just going through this weird, I have this weird feeling at the moment. Yeah. I can't explain that I just fear death for some reason. Yeah. And it's whether it was uh, driving down the freeway today down to here, I'm like, shit, I've got to really concentrate. And you just, and as you said, it's like if something happens to one of us, it's like, well, who's going to do my job at home? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird feeling. And it's, and there's a lot of people probably going through it. But, and I guess if you, now that I have that feeling that that you had as well, and as you mm. said, it improves your it improves your safety 
culture yeah pr- improves your attitude definitely improved my attitude towards work and you know i'm not just thinking about how i can hurt myself i'm also thinking about what i do that could possibly hurt other people yeah oh um, look and that's the thing is you know like um working in an environment where where your decision might might, might take someone um some other dad away from his kids you know and you know it's not a story i tell often actually but it's relevant to to the conversation um and it was when i when i was shift bossing um at kpok and uh, we we had an older fitter and um the amount of times i I pulled him up and uh not chocking the wheels on his vehicle and 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 to to be honest i I probably um should have shot him three or four times and uh, you know, I felt I felt sorry for him. For, for non-mining listeners, like it, you, when you shoot someone in mining, you don't actually use a gun. Shooting means <laughs> we wish sometimes. We just don't want to. Yeah, we'll just clear that up yeah. for anyone that doesn't work underground. Yeah, sorry, mate. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, like uh, you know, at, at the stage, I think you know he's in his fifties. But again, like I said, I was a young ship washing, so I thought that was old, and I, and I felt I felt sorry for him. I thought, you know, if if, if I if I get, if if I sack you. You're going to struggle to get a get another job, you know. And the market wasn't that buoyant at the time, and you know, and and that's a I didn't, and then then I left, and um, I was only gone for maybe three or four weeks, and the the foreman at at, at the time, uh, he we both worked up at at um, uh, KPOC together, and we're at Bronzewing, and we're listening to the ABC radio on the, on the way to work at some stupid hour in the morning. And um, we hear, you know, there's a fatality up at um, Western Metals. And uh, I think at that stage, all we heard was, you know, vehicle runaway. And I looked at at the, the mate next to me and I looked and I, and, I, and, I, and I said, I know who that is. And it was the bloke that um, basically I, I, sh- I should have got rid of for unsafe practices. Um, so my lack of action cost him his life and uh i went to his funeral and um you know watching his teenage daughters and it's just something that's ne- never left me from from that you know and sometimes it's not easy to make a decision um because uh, for for a lot of reasons you know the conflict or you know someone's going to be put in a, in a worse situation but um yeah something now that yeah uh, it, it changed my mentality for forever basically yeah that if i'm not happy with something i'll change it yep. yeah yeah Jeez, mate. Um, look, thanks. Thanks very much for sharing that. I oh, look, I didn't. Uh, Bowdo hadn't actually told me that story. Um, I really appreciate that. I know that's probably very hard to talk about. Um, and I hope oh, I've, I've certainly just taken a lot out of that last few minutes. Yeah. Um, oh, look, again, it's, it's one that you know, again us blokes don't really like to to do that at times. But but again, I, I sort of figured that uh, again now if, if it someone else is that and, you know, they, they, they've got, a, you know, the same thing happening on their crew at the moment and they're, they're making the soft decision, I suppose. Um, sometimes it's better off to make the hard decision because it's a lot harder to live with that on your conscience for the rest of your days. And and you know, and you see when a lot of guys get, get sacked and the, the, boys, the boys and girls on the crew bloody go off about, like you know, bloody sacked for fuck all and everything. Yeah. But when you, when you hear a story like that, that that reinforces why those hard decisions have to get made and people do get made examples of because they it could prevent something exactly like that happening. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah look, correct, mate. You know, or for, it will fortunately prevent something like that happening. Yeah. I should say. Yeah. 
Um, you know, again, even like in, in my time as a supervisor, I, I was never a seatbelt Nazi or a safety safety glass Nazi, you know. Um, but if you were doing something that was going to affect someone else's safety, uh, there was no second chance after that. Yep. Um, down the road, pretty much. Well, and I had the exact conversation with Jonesy the other day, and you probably would have heard it when I, when I said, look, you can put all the procedure and educa- procedures and education and training in place, but you, can, you cannot... You cannot affect the choices that uh, you cannot change the choices people make underground. You, you can you can educate and uh, sort of promote the idea of making better choices underground, but you cannot be there to hold their hand to make them make those correct choices all the time. Yeah, Martin, uh, yeah. and that's hundreds of people working underground. The total man hours that you'd have to cover. It's yeah. just uh, yeah, it's, it's just not, impossible. Not possible. You know, yeah, that's everything in you know, just not not underground. I think it's in every industry. It's in you know, you know, with your kids, mate. You know, you'll tell them to do. Not to do certain things, but you know, like uh, tell a kid that's hot, they don't gonna believe you until they they touch it and shit, Dad, that's hot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you know at times you know the underground, you know, obviously you're not easily spotted, and you know I'd caught blokes out in open stopes and that, and um, you know, and they weren't happy that they lost their job, but I was happy that they went home to the misses and kids, man. Yeah. And I'll live with that. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, I guess you you look at it now, and it's like the like things like that like bog free bog and extra dirt yeah. out of a state like what's it it um, for? You, like you're going to get paid the same yeah you might the only way i can think that people justify it now is like oh the bosses are going to think i'm awesome for getting out 20 extra buckets than if i bloody like it's just shit like that it's just it, i guess you got to ask yourself what what is going to change and more and a lot of it's just reputation like honestly who gives a fuck you're going you're going to get paid Regardless, yeah, and it's. Uh, I guess that's. Uh, that, oh no, that's how I make better choices these days. Is by knowing the fact that I'm going to get paid the same regardless. Really, mm. oh, that was uh, the the crazy thing with it, with it, with the two incidents where where I found that um, bogging in open stoke. Uh, it's owner operator, so they're on salary. Yeah, you yeah. know. So again, you know, I think it's the the big man mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, I done more than him, or or whatever. And you know, to some of it, you, you know, it become obvious. You know, if you know one bloke's pulling out X amounts of buckets out of a stope, and someone's you know doing fifty percent more, you got someone who's uh, doing things to a dog he shouldn't be doing. Um, yeah, it, it becomes obvious basically. Yeah. Like generally, you know, again, underground, even in my business now, you know, like uh, you need something to sort of. To, to sort of stimulate, yeah, what, what's going on, you know, there's something wrong there. And then you go and investigate, and it doesn't take long um, to, to figure out, you know, who's doing the righty and who's doing the wrongy. Yep. Nah. Oh, that, look, that's a bloody a good overview of the, your mining career anyway, Vado, and, um But just I, I like the learnings that we can actually pass on about. And then there's a good – every episode so far, I've had a good fo- – like, it's been a good safety focus coming from, coming from blokes that – like you know, yeah. they're, they're just just normal underground miners, which is which is great. The first time I've been called normal. No, <laughs> you refer to yourself. But you love the rock ape. Oh, uh, it, mate. It's, I'll always be a rock ape, no matter you know what what I do uh, in life. But yeah, that rock ape's instilled in me. That's for sure. Yeah, no, awesome. Right, let's let's get on to your business, mate. Um, right. Give us give us a bit of a rundown. We talked about how you got into mining. Just tell us the journey you've gone on to essentially grow the balls to start your own business and the ri- the risk you 
you're exposed to to bloody to get to where you are now. Yeah, look, um, uh, most of that know me. Like uh, my mining career was cut short uh, via um, a neck injury that I suffered um, while working at, at Bronzewing. Um, you know, like Newmont were good to me at, at the time. They they even offered to put me through my engineer's degree and. You know, I'd knock back full-time foreman roles and that because it, I was scared of computers, um, didn't understand them or anything at, at, at that stage, you know. So um, I didn't realise at the time, even at Bronzewing, I was signing off on labour hire um, timesheets. I had no idea what it was. Um, so sort of fell into it. Um, you know, when I when I, I couldn't go back to, to mine, I was devastated and um, basically uh, trying to find something where... I could still feel a part of the game, I suppose. Um, and, and I ended up working for a small, little small labour mob here in, in, in Mandra, actually, and um, done a couple of months there. And, you know, within, within the first week, I had blokes out working um, out at Golden Grove. And so this, this is um, pretty easy. Um, unfortunately, that, that little company went bust um, in the first month. So then I, I found myself looking around again and, you know, I won't mention their, their, their companies. Like People that know me will know who they are. But, you know, I had two labour hire companies um, wanting me at that stage and, you know, still not really knowing what it was all, all about. And, and, I, and I chose the, the one I ended up with for a couple of years for the access to the freeway, um, to be honest. <laughs> like the money was shit, you know. Like I started on 40 grand a yep. year, you know. Um, and after, you know, 10 months, 12 months on workers' comp, mate, I was busted, ass broke. I just needed to find a way to... To provide for these uh, three three kids of mine and the missus, you know, and um, so so I took the took the job and you know easy access from the freeway, but it was when they were putting the train line in um, from from Andrew to to Perth, and um, the office was in Leederville, so you know I went from from overalls to a pair of poofed pants basically, as as I called it at, at the time, and into this office office environment, and um, it's total um, alien to me and. You know, tell the boys, you know, I knocked back the foreman's job because of the computers and this recruitment game was all about computers and <laughs> I was that computer illiterate. I didn't know how to search porn on the internet. That's how much <laughs> that's I knew about it. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that, you know. Um, you know, so it started there and, you know, and uh, I, I, I cut a pretty good niche in, in a very quick time in, in a big organisation And um, but I didn't like their, their overall... Um, take on numbers and uh, you know, people were just a number to them so um, I gave that away and that and then I started with another smaller mob come back to, to Mandro some some good money offers to go and work for some of the, the bigger ones but it depended on their principle you know I understand you know labour hire a lot of people uh, it's you know it's not not the best flavour for some I suppose but um, you know so I started and, and, and I basically um, run this business with someone else's money so I started to learn the, the business aspect of it, um, which, you know, pretty easy when you're using someone else, else's money. And, um, you know, something happened there as well. I won't go into too much detail, but basically um, it, it left on bad terms. And, um, you know, I was actually owed a million bucks when I walked away from it on, on some moral and, and principle um, at the time. Which the missus wasn't too happy about, I can give you the tip. Because, again, we were still struggling cash-wise. Um, so, to be honest, I, I started um, my business, um, Bowen Select, out of pure anger. Um, you know, I, I registered the business name in, in November um, 2009. 
And then it was just head down, ice up. Um, and about six months into it, I started to sober up from that ang- anger. And I thought, what the bloody hell have I done here? You know, everything that I had, which wasn't much at that time, was now on the line. And that's where, you know, I think a lot of people don't realise about, you know, your business and that. Everything, your house is on the line every single day, yeah. you know. Um, everything that you work for is on the line every single day. Um, so, yeah, we, we started off in a little office on you know, on Pinjara Road and now we're in the, the nice little office on, on the beach here. Um, you know, been in here for, for eight and a half years. You know, and we, we just sort of stuck to... Yeah, I, I tell a lot of people when they start, you look, I understand labour hire is not to be all and end all, but, uh, you know, it depends how you look at it. Um, I sleep well at night, Matty, knowing that we've, um, you know, we, we've progressed people's career. Yep. Um, you know, I've even had a, had a greenie that I've put on who's now a jump operator. Yep. Um, you know, uh, we've been able to find a fit for people and companies. You know, like we had a good good run with um, Northern Star up at Paulson's. Yeah. Uh, where we're employed and you know um we've we've rid the, ridden the storm out between the, the good times and the bad times um we've actually grown every year um which is which is a great achievement knowing the mining climate that we've just gone through in that three four years yeah so. well, those three or four years you know it, it would be hard you know like i had um jumbo operators ship bosses you know um having to ring them you know you get a job in and you got you know 20 or 30 30 blokes who want it you know um you know i remember one job in particular it was hand pushing cables out out at kandana with a contractor and you know it was two and one 40 bucks an hour and pay for your own accommodation um you know ring these blokes i said mate i'm not i'm not trying to disrespect you but this is all i got do you want it or not you know and some blokes you know um, they'd found work in, in town, and I think we lost quite a few um, that never come back after that. But um, you know, some the forty bucks kept their paid the mortgage, you know, yep. um, and kept them kept them kept them afloat. You know, I, I, I do remember probably there was two or three that um, during that downturn, you know, and with the money the, the way it was, um, going out to work on Christmas Day and and uh, never got out of the taxi went back home and said shove it in your ass i ain't i ain't going back you know i ain't working another christmas for this shit yeah you know so we rode through there and you know my big push through that that time you know was to to the people that i was dealing with was to try and better himself for when when the time turned around you know a good chance to try and study for a ship officer's ticket because you know uh, a lot of us are rock apes for a reason we know you know road road scholars and you know, getting your ship horse ticket is, you know, it takes a bit of, a bit of effort, especially, you know, we're not really used to, to the studying and, and applying ourselves to reading a book. And, and that's uh, encouraged quite a few there. You know, there's a few blokes come down to the office and um, we do a bit of revision and, and that together. They've got their ship horses tickets and, and that now, you know. And and know that, you know, try to keep, keep them positive that, you know, the ball will bounce back into the court and boy Christ hasn't it bounced back mm. you know, it's, oh, it's uh, definitely the boys market which you know again it's, it's not ideal for for my business but in that you know you, you got your business has got to evolve um, so we, we're looking and we're very close at the moment to uh, kind of deal with a company where we're going to go back to like the original days at Paulson's where it's not labour hire we're going to employ the boys full time um, you know we're, we're in a good position um with our, our network uh, the people that we've employed over the years um to bring them back on on full time in this tight market is gonna gonna help a mid-tier 
um, somewhere along the line to, to man themselves up, which is going to be a very difficult market to, to man up. Yep. You know, so uh, um, that that that's where where we're heading. Um, and, and you know, at Paulson's, it, it worked an absolute treat. You know, the the boys now, you know, it's not just money; it's respect. You know, and I think that's where some, you know. Uh, on the corporate side, you know, haven't really got a full grasp of where the market's at at, at the moment. You know, we watch the money just go up and up and up. Um, you know, it's going to have to balance out somewhere. But then it's making the boys feel like they're, they're, they're part of something, you know. And that was the beauty of Paulson's, mate. Like, when we done that, you know, we increased the production by 30%. We had less than 2% turnover. Um yeah, we used to put on put on a Christmas piss up. One one was a river cruise um, for whatever crew would be in. Yeah, it just cost us ten fifteen grand. Then the following week, I'd have a two grand's worth of piss in the office here, and you know get the cricket bats and out across the the beach. The, the the amount of blokes that said and their family said they preferred the the two grand piss up across the beach. Wish you wish know? <laughs> um, you knew that at the start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, like uh, I mean, a rocker loves anything for nothing. Yeah, you know, a stubby older, uh, you know, a game of golf, uh, you know, day out on on the piss or, or something, you know, it, it goes a lot, lot, lot further than you know than the old Monty Dollar at times, you know, and yep. that's you know we work closely with the boys up there, and you know, that's what I'm looking forward to, and yeah, I'm excited for for what their near future holds in that um, to be able to be a part where we can come in and make a, make a difference because, you know, I, I believe um, we've got the skills, we've got the people um, and we've got a good reputation in general out there that people want to come back. So if they want to come back and work for us on labour, I mean, if I'm offering full-time jobs, they're going to stream through the door. Yeah. But And it's just with this, and we'll, we'll talk about this skill shortage that is happening and it's going, probably going to get worse, to be honest. Um, like these all these mines and especially if nickel goes off like these mines are going to be created people the people just don't exist to provide them so when these people that are going to work full time for you like the the how valuable they are as an asset to any organization i don't don't think people realize how underground miners realize how valuable of an asset they're going to be in the next five years like the the skills that you've obtained in the last decade mm. as a jumbo operator, as a bogger operator, charge up anything, like you, you're just you're a very scarce commodity. Oh, I mean, mate, as I say, the balls bounced firmly this time. You know, like yeah, I mean, I think it was '97 or something in Campbellda, and you know, there was two of us on the platform of a jumbo. Yeah, you know, uh, money all cut in half, and you know, the boys all know certain companies changed rosters, and you know, went from the even time to two and one. You know, and the boys felt a bit shafted with that, you know, but it's going to be very um, good times for the boys, I think. You know, the money will have to balance out somewhere, Um, you know, and again, bringing new people into the industry is going to have to have a balance to it. Um, You know, for me, if we are able to to do what we're looking at doing, I've got my own ideas to to train and bring people in from, you know, relevant sort of industries to, to pick up and, and go. And look, it, it was something that, you know, some of my major clients during that downturn that, you know, as I told them all the time, we need to still be bringing some people through, you know. And yeah. it's probably where, where, the, where the big gap is now, you know. Like, I reckon if we, 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 we crunch some numbers and we actually, you know, not every ship horse ticket, because not every ticket's, you know, active, I suppose, a lot of jumbo operators or whatever, you know, still on the tools, I don't reckon there's enough active ship boss tickets to fill the jobs. 
yep. at the moment. You know, yep. um, you know, jumbo operators and that, uh, you know, still not too bad. You know, there's there a few comes through there, but you know, your truckie and service crew level, that's there's a big hole there already. Yep. You know, because we didn't bring anybody new in. Yep. Um, you know, there's. And it's trying to find some relevant industries, you know, to, to bring people through, you know. Yeah. And I've tried, and in this market at the moment, and I don't, I don't know what it is because I've tried to bring in some uh, of the younger generation, and it's just not working. Yeah. Um, I think uh, three months ago, or maybe four months now, is um, <coughs> I had six nippers to put on, and um, they were happy to, to take, you know, green and not one of them lasted yeah right you know um again trying to to get them to fit into to the living away obviously um the camp life um you know maybe some of the the the, the boys have been around and need to lighten up and make you know some of these new new ones start you know feel a little bit more welcome rather than you know the old school you know wait till they they earn their their right or or whatever well i think those days are done i was actually talking <clears throat> talking to one of the other jumbo ops in the ute the other day when we we're driving up i said the days of the jumbos screaming at the nippers and treating them like shit like they're done oh no they're, i don't i'm not like that i don't yeah. they're, 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 everyone's a human and god if the way i see it if there's any chance if i'm there sweating my guts out throwing my own bolts if there's any any chance that someone's going to come help me off their own accord mm. without without me knowing it won't be because of uh treating them like shit that's yeah. for sure no look I, I think it's in society in general you know like uh again these you know the old footy coach how many times you see the halftime spray going yeah. on now you know like I, I i know myself mate if you want to start yelling and screaming at me mate, my ears they might still be there but they turn off mm. you know yeah, exactly. um and look they are a different generation you know is um look but again in that i've picked up some in in other areas and um <laughs> they make some of the old boys look bad yeah you know so i think yeah, again, it's the horses for courses, but yeah, we do need to find a way to to bring new people in and and encourage that. Um, I've got no magic wand for it, but mate, um, no no real idea uh, on on yeah how we're going to go about it. But it, it's looking scary, but it's looking good for the boys, that's for sure. Yeah, but and it's it all starts in as you said. There's a big cry for truck drivers, service crew, nippers, like entry level, but. In parallel with that, you got to companies have got to be pushing guys onto the jumbos and onto boggers and everything. And and jumbo, it's there's so many. Oh, I'm just so lucky that I got a chance on the jumbo. And there's some guys that are, you know, waiting in line and everything. But they, everyone's got to get pushed through because yeah. the all this the to fill this skill shortage has to start from the bottom up. But there's when you're bringing all these new truckies and then you got to be pushing guys onto the jumbo. Yeah. And and unfortunately, it's such a because it's such a critical aspect of the the cycle and it's as you know it's it's the fucking hardest thing i've ever learned mm. it is the time consuming thing to learn and you can cause Everyone, a lot yeah. of damage when you're doing it but you 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 just got to bite the bullet and get people trained up you got to start somewhere yeah oh look i think it may be a little bit more structured of a of a career path as well you know like again i was listening to, to the, the podcast with jonesy the other day and you know, same for for the engineers. You know, like um, trying to promote. You know, like the old ship boss that's been around for a while, or or whatever. Um, through through that ranks. Um, you know, not everyone that starts out's got, I suppose, the internal to be a jump operator. Um, so once they figure that out, they need to figure what other path. You know, are they you know heading to to the long haul, or are they they're going to be a career 
you know, because again, they're still career truckies, they're still career yeah. bogger drivers and that. But yeah, I think there has to be a clear sort of a pathway through for them and, and with their, their reviews and, and that and guidance, I suppose, to, to be able to know what your options are. You get yeah. to a certain stage and, you know, to know whether, you know, again, I think everyone, you know, you sort of have to have a grounding in each stage um, of the cycle. Um, you know, because that, that frightens me a little bit at the moment. You know, someone's been underground for less than 12 months and they're, they're charging and they want a job charge up. You know, so, yeah. uh, not on my books, mate. Yeah. Not on my books, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, so oh, I really don't know the, the big way forward for it is other than I agree that, yeah, we need to probably, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies need to start to um, promote uh, a bit more organically, yeah. internal, um, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I get a trucky job through, you know, the typical email will be you've got to have 12 months experience, you know, it, it just yeah. does your head in, you know, like, this just not there, like, yeah. really, in this game now, you're picking up a trucky with, with 12 months experience, why are you picking him up? Yeah, why has he got 12 months on the, on the truck? Yeah, well, look, yeah. you know, you know, but, but, you know, why is he in the market? You yeah. know, you're generally you're picking up somebody else's problem. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, you know. Again, like I, I've got a few things that we, we've got lined up for to bring people through. You know, um, yeah, we're a little bit of civil truck driving to get them used to the to the Arctic's and and that. You know, we, we don't have the training mine and stuff. But again, check work ethics and make sure people are going to be reliable and um, try and explain to them as much as as you can um, what they're about to get into because. Again, as we see in in today's, um, yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, now, and one thing I wanted to ask you when you when you and you've sort of just alluded to it, and this this sort of, I'm just putting myself in your shoes when you yeah. first started the business and like when cash flow is an issue. How how did you find the challenge of balancing when you know someone probably isn't a good fit for a job mm-hmm. and resisting putting them in a place but knowing that you were going to make money out of them yeah uh that's always been easy for me maddie my reputation is more important than money yeah um you know and, and that is how we've been able to, to cut our niche you know a lot, a lot of recruitment companies and you know oh we're all industry experts and and shit like that bullshit you know um Someone like me has been through, and you know, the staff that I, that I have as well, they've all got some close knit to, to, to the morning. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's not a time where I can recall and comfortably say that, yeah, someone I put down being an oh, I shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, I'd say, like, you know, um, you know, especially in this market now, um, you know, a client might want a, want a bogger operator, and if I think there's a shortfall, um, I'll, I'll highlight that. You know, um, you know, it might be eighty percent in my opinion. Um, I'll tell the client that. Um, you know, but uh, you know, if someone, um, you know, skills or safety wise, not open hell, mate. We actually had a bit of a dust up on uh, Scotty Gorfin's underground miners Facebook page last night. <laughs> someone whinging that he didn't get a job. You know, and um, once we do our background checks, and you know, for us as well, we might not necessarily be talking to. Who's on your your piece of paper? Um, it's just a pretty small game. Very, very yeah. And yeah. The long enough you've been around, there's yeah, uh, there's yeah, not many so contacts you don't have. Yeah, <laughs> and, and look, and I think that's you know the principle of my business is has always been you know like again, labour hire has got its stigma, and 
you know, everyone says we're different. I say, I guarantee people we're different, mate. You know, we, we, we've had a lot of repeat blokes come back for various reasons, ladies for that, girls for that matter as well. Um, you know, I, I, we make money and a business, but um, to me, everyone's got to got to win. You know, the client's got to get a good employee, and the employee's got to get a good, good, good boss to go and work for. You know, so again, like, we've been selective in our client base, um, just as much we've been selective in um, in our candidate base. Um, and yeah, no money will buy my reputation. Yep, and look, I, I can, I can, I can tell listeners uh, my full-fledged opinion here about just the way you say that you about us not bullshitting like this is uh, i can tell you sincere in the way you the attitude that you that you take with that and that's uh that's very commendable mate yeah so i look good on you again it's something and why i left the, the original big company you know um recruitment company um we, we're dealing with people's livelihoods you know um they got missus and kids to, to feed at home as do, do i you know is um yeah. You know, I, 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 probably something I had even from my ship boss in stage, you know, one day there, the boys, you know, it's like, you know, you don't follow what, what I've been told you have to do. You're fucking with the way that I feed and clothe my family. Yeah. You know, don't do that because I'm in a good position to fuck with yours. Yeah. You know, so it's something, and even all my staff here and, you know, I've been lucky enough to have some long-term staff and we've had some that, that's come and gone and gone on to bigger and better better things. But, um, you know, the biggest thing I push with them, that this is someone's livelihood, um, you know, and we're there, we're there in general sometimes to fill a gap. Um, but at times we've been able to, to put people in, in, the, in the right area, find the right fit where they've been able to progress their career with a bit of advice and a bit of direction. Yep. Um, you know the the common one I get, you know, is when you know the the boys finally make it, you know, to get their first first couple of swings on the jumbo, you know, and they get the phone call a month later, be able to, they've taken me off again. I want a job as a jumbo operator. So you're not a jumbo operator yet, mate, and that's going to happen for a while, you yeah. know. And till till you can keep up, you, they're going to you're going to fill in and. Um, you know, trying try and explain that to, to, to blokes. And there's two or three of them at the moment, you know, and hopefully they'll listen because they'll know who they are. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, if it wasn't for me sort of having to chat to them and say, look, just hang in there, you know. Yeah. In six months' time, it's all, you're going to be full-time and away you go, you know, because that's probably the hardest thing with um, what I do, you know. Like, once the boys go out to, to site on the labour hire side, lots out of my control then. Yeah. And, and maintain then the hardest then that is the challenge when you just were on that fringe of getting in the jail even if you might get a week on it covering for someone and just dropping your lip when you and look I did it I was fucking I was a right. massive sook and it's um, I've come out the other end now but it's just it's such a such a challenge but you can just damage your reputation so much and I, and I reckon I did because um, yeah. I probably had a shit attitude when I was on, on that fringe and yeah, it's oh, hey, it's what, 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 you, what do you, you got to pass on to people like that? It's like, and and you see some people that maintain a good attitude all the time. I freaking take me out off to them, and you you got to learn from those people. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, um, I don't know if I have got any advice other than yeah, you sort of just have to to ride that that initial storm and and sort of understand that you know you look at it as an opportunity. You're getting your time and. Um, eventually your time will come like you say with the, with the, with the right attitude um, I think you know a lot of people will be measured on that when the chips are down not when it's all going their own way you know yeah. and for what, what you appreciate for you know and, and I think you know in, in my day um, if you got a shift on the jumbo you were stoked 
Mm. You knew that as soon as you know the the, the jumbo operator turned back up, you're off. Yeah. But mate, it's just one day on then. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, again, you know, probably a little bit old school, but, you know, a lot of blokes now, you know, I'll still say to them, you know, really can't classify yourself as a, as a fully-fledged jumbo. You've done it for five or six years, you know. Yep. The, the job is going to chuck a different challenge at you that you haven't seen. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, you need to know all aspects of it, and, and it takes time. Yeah. You know, it takes time. And, you know, I remember in my day, you know, if you were, if you were the, the so-called guns in that day, sit there and, and make it look easy. Mm. Um, and you don't think they're doing and you think they're going slow yeah and they're just it's yeah it's yeah. actually and then it's frustrating to watch <laughs> and you think oh shit I'll just do that then yeah. you go there and fucking bloody knocking booms together yeah. and just trying to do the way that they did it yeah well yeah. I, I think that's you know it, it is a high pressure job and that's why I said earlier you know not everyone is cut out to be a be a jumbo operator you know you, you have to have a little bit of air of arrogance about your yeah, bit of self-belief um, because once you're there, you're at the front. Um, everyone is basically relying on you in a contract um, way. Um, you know, everyone's relying on you to to, to get those meters. Yeah. Um, and you got to keep you got to keep focused for eleven hours straight because one, any the tiniest mistake can just fuck the whole cycle. If oh. you if you knock a knock a fitting off eyes when you're boring and yep. to the final cut that that can ruin the whole cycle just from one simple mistake yeah look all that added pressure and like you said like something as simple as that but even more so yourself with the safety side of things you know one mistake again you you get your visit from your ship boss a couple of times a, a shift and you know even in my day i was lucky at times you know some days where you even saw the, the ship boss but you say again you got that pressure like um, you know, you might have other shit going on at home or elsewhere as well, and you still got to be able to focus and, and produce the, the results because uh, it's still a dog eat dog, and someone's waiting for you to slip up. Yeah, you know, someone wants that job. Yeah, you know, um, and that was probably one of the hardest things. Again, being young jumbo operator, like uh, the the wolves waiting, you know, for you to make that cock up so they could step into your, to your spot. So you felt that pressure, let alone the yep. the management pressure. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it's not much different today because um, you know everyone. Well, I'd imagine uh, the bulk of this when we start the game, that's where we want to end up. We want to be the be the main man. We want to be the jumbo. Yep. No, no. I guess my bloody, my advice to people that are that are on that fringe and going through that um that the well, you'd call it an unfortunate stage where you 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 the chips are on the other side and you're you're sort of waiting and you you still on that fringe just you've you've you got to separate yourself from the field yeah. and that's and as Bardo said you're going to be more remembered for your attitude during that ship period not for when it was all going your way so you've got to uh yeah as i said if you if you've got to do if you go into the foreman and say oh look why aren't i on the jumbo yet you're not you're not giving them anything they don't they don't give a flying fuck they got, they got, yeah, they got way more bigger things to worry about but if you go in with the attitude say look mate cannot can I just stay in for two extra days just yeah. and I'll just want to throw bolts or even if I just want to be around the jumbo to learn going in with that they're, they're more inclined to help you out if you're going in with a positive attitude rather than just going in going in whinge and say you don't help me I won't yeah. help you it's uh yeah, that's 100 percent it mate you know like uh, again if the boys used to um you know my stepfather was um the, running the show up at Leinster in the early days and I used to get called the golden boy and they all used to reckon that's why I got on the jumbo at a, at a young stage you know but again the truth be known you know is uh, I had a shift on the truck one of the rare, rare shifts I had on the truck and um, when I first started up at, at Leinster after the granites and, 
you know, I saw the jumbo operator pull in, who again was the old Polish mate, and um, I jumped straight out of the truck and plugged him in and hung his cable when he went in. Um, so he spoke to the to the ship boss and uh, said, I want him, you know, that new bloke there, he'd come down and offside for me. And, you know, it's just those little things that'll help you get ahead of the pack, you know. Yeah. If you want to just be average, well, you're going to sit in line for a while and probably never make it, you yeah. know. Um, but if, yeah, you want to do those little bits extra and, um, you know... It's the way to, to get yourself forward. Yeah. No, nah, well, look, my, my personal, the way I got on it was I, I was doing two and one and I was I was obsessed. I was just, yeah. buddy, well, I'm like, this is, I want to be on the jumbo and I, no one's going to stop me. And I, I actually, for about three or four months straight, I stayed in for two extra days on two and one yeah. every swing. And sometimes I'd just throw bolts just, just to be around it. And I just, I just stayed nippering and just absolutely bloody, uh, kiss the asses of these jumbos but just every time i'd drop a set up off i'm like oh what did you do there why'd you do that and but yeah i was just dedicated and that that's the only reason i got on it i wouldn't have got on it to buy yeah by bloody whinge and then what do you know a heap of people left and they had no one else to put on it and yeah. that's bloody once i was on i was on yep. yeah so i think that's it man you know you know you say going to the foreman's office is going to do you more harm than than good you know, you have to you have to put yourself in there because again, if you don't and you do find yourself in there, you're not going to make it anyway. You know, yep. you have to have that attitude, man. And mate, I commend that. And um, probably the ones that, that I know in in the last few years are the same thing. You know, they they've worked the extra shifts. You know, they and you find you know that the opera jumbo operators in. You know, you're doing that. They're happy to explain to you with what's going on you know yeah. give you a few ideas and try and help you out um yeah. the last thing you want them is against you that's for sure Nah, that's it ah awesome well mate we've uh how long do you reckon we've gone for oh, God, an hour and 20 <laughs> it goes know, pretty quick hey, we could uh, <laughs> we could uh we could keep on going mate um look just just to finish off um any listeners out there that are whether green experienced anything um anyone wants to get in touch with you what's your uh what's the best way to get in contact with you or you don't want anyone to contact you? <laughs> hey mate we always uh people is our is our game you know they they, they you know get a hold of us you know via your facebook um our facebook bone select or you know we're all, we've got a website and stuff like that we're pretty easy to find um you know and um yeah we we look forward to what the industry is bringing to us in the not near too you know not too far in the future and um yeah hopefully uh we could start offer a few full-time gigs and get a little bit away from this labor hire yeah sort of path Ah, awesome, mate. Well, I'll um, yeah, I'll chuck all Bowdo's details up on the uh, on the post uh, when when this episode's released. And um, yeah, and look, it's, I can uh, I can only commend him on how hospitable he's been for me today. Because uh, as I said, we didn't even meet before this, and um, we're probably going to be probably going to be a good mate after this. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah th- thanks very much for having me, mate. I really really appreciate it, and uh, had a had a bloody great time coming down to the sunny Mandra. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see I can see why a lot of the a lot of the five blokes live down here because it's just a great little it's like a holiday retreat but a great place to live uh, awesome spot mate and uh, you're welcome down here anytime yeah thanks very much what are you now I usually sign off with a bit of a message mate what's uh, you got a short and sweet message you want to pass on to uh, just a bit of a just just something short and sweet have you got anything I'll probably put you on the spot well, you're you a have, bit mate, mate. <laughs> you have mate I've got absolutely nothing I've got one I've got run uh, well righto well, that'll do listeners and don't whinge in the foreman's office catches <laughs> <laughs>